Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The city of Chicago, the energy pulses like the beat of a drum. It's raw, it's strong, and we never stop moving. This city that I love, where I've spent my life, is the backdrop to the most mysterious case I've ever come across in my professional career. The Bradley family still resides on the city's south side. 22 years ago, on July 6, 2001, Tracy Bradley comes home from her morning shift and discovers two of her daughters, Diamond and Tianda, are nowhere to be found. The girls are just 10 and 3 years old. My name is Pamela Childs. I was a police officer for 29 years with the Chicago Police Department. I retired three years ago as a detective. I worked in the Special Victims Unit for 21 years of my career. It's called the Special Victims Unit because those are victims that can't protect themselves or they don't know how to protect themselves. Which is why I am perplexed by this unsolved case that stuck with me for 22 years, the Bradley sisters. When the Bradley girls disappeared in 2001, I was a new detective. I was in the detective division for approximately one month. We were all sent out, every able body in the city every able body, and, and when I say that, I mean every able body that's working for the Chicago Police Department, including the recruits that were in the police academy, were called out. And it was the biggest manhunt that the city of Chicago ever had in searching for two little girls that were reported missing on July 6, 2001. At the very beginning, I felt, in the deepest part of me, I felt like the girls were kidnapped by somebody that they knew, 
possibly dead, definitely it was going to be a challenge to locate Tianda and Diamond Bradley. I never stopped thinking about him. I never stopped wondering. I am Pam Childs, and this is Disappeared, the Bradley Sisters. Who has access to your master files? I always wanted to be a detective from a little girl, watching movies such as Police Woman. Pam Greer was one of my favorite black detectives. Why not? It could be your brother, too, or your sister, or your children. I want justice for all of them. Back then, when I was a child, I watched her on TV. I loved it. I loved what they did. I loved the force and the power that those women held. I thought it was important that they served a purpose. They gave up every part of them to get to that bad guy that they were looking for. And I admired that. As far back as I can remember, that's what I decided that I wanted to do. I am here at the Lake Grove Village apartment complex. This is the home of Tracy Bradley and her four children, Tianda, Diamond, Victoria, and Rita. Back in 2001, Tianda and Diamond disappeared from their apartment where they were left home to take care of themselves, you know, at a very young age. And on that unforgettable and unfortunate day, Tracy Bradley came home from work and discovered that Tianda and Diamond was missing. The major issue we faced was the race against time. This family waited approximately seven hours before calling the police. Tracy came home from work, discovered the girls missing around 12 noon. It wasn't until an extended family member called CPD at approximately 7 p.m., which is when we got involved. Seven hours later, boots were on the ground. On the evening of the 6th of July, 2001, I was one of many detectives that arrived here to take part in the active search, interviews, everything that we did, talking to neighbors, trying to discover the whereabouts of Tiana Diamond Bradley. And it was hundreds of officers all around this entire area, searching alleys and garbage cans and all the basements and all the apartments in the complex and just knocked on every single door, went up and down neighborhoods trying to determine where the girls were. And the girls were never found. On that fateful day that Tiana and Diamond disappeared, Time was really flying by, and we had already lost hours. From the time that Tracy Bradley stated, she walked into her apartment and the girls were gone. Somebody finally called 911 to put the alert out that we have a missing persons uh, case going here, or we, we got two children that's missing, which those are tender age missings and top priority with every city entity. So the clock was ticking, and with everybody out here on the streets, of course, the crowds were coming out of their apartments, and people wanted to know what was going on. Lots of people knew who Tianda and Diamond Bradley were. 
and it just became an insane situation. And as the time was just going by and it's getting darker, the Chicago Police Department never stops. So now it's 22 years later. I have brought together a team of the most hardworking, loyal detectives out of retirement to help me solve this case. I'm joined by my friend and colleague of 30 years, Annette Farrick, and retired detective Ed Carroll. Ed Carroll reopened the case in 2011 and had the resources to put together the timeline of the day the girls went missing, which is absolutely vital. On the night of July 5th, Tracy informed us that she was home with her girls. She had friends over, several of who corroborated this. And at four in the morning, George Washington visits Tracy's home. George is Diamond's father and had a personal relationship with Tracy. We do know that George shows up around four in the morning. And according to his original statement to the police, he and Tracy leave the apartment at approximately 6 a.m. so Tracy can get to work. They leave Tianda and Diamond in the house alone. They inform Tianda to not open the door for anyone. That is what his statement says. Tracy calls home. I believe it was four times on the morning of the 6th. She calls home four times and does not get an answer. She does not get an answer. She leaves a message one time asking the kids to pick up the phone. And then the other times there's, here it is, 806, 845, 845, and at 758. So what we can figure is that between 1030 on the night of the 5th to 758 on the morning of the 6th, the kids are there up to that point. But at 758, she calls her home and the message is, Tiana, this is Tracy calling to see what you all are doing that you can't pick up the phone. Then she calls three more times at 8.06 and twice at 8.45, never leaves a message. And she would leave the girls. Most of the time, it was all four girls. Yes, not just and the two younger ones. This was, was a rare four. occasion that these two, Tiana and Diamond, was left alone in the apartment because Rita and Vicky was at their grandmother Mary's house. Tracy got off from work, went home, went to her apartment. Tianda and Diamond were not inside of the apartment. She couldn't find them. She told George Washington, they're not in the apartment. She goes to George Senor's building, Correct. who's in the same housing complex Correct. as she, and goes up to his place, gets $20, stating that she's going to get a cake for Victoria's right. birthday, which is July 7th. Right. They go to the Jewel. George Washington is downstairs waiting. Correct. He drives her to the Jewel food store. Correct. They get the cake. They come back. Correct. She calls out. It's quiet. It's no children there. Correct. And she suddenly finds a note. Yes. And the note states something, Mama, we, we went to the store. Correct. And now Tracy Bradley is uh, leaving the apartment to go and look for her children. Right. 
George Washington drives her to somewhere on the bridge on 35th Street that's headed towards the lakefront. And she gets out and he drives away. It says on the notes here that George Washington told Tracy Bradley to call the CPD and he goes home. What time was that he told That her was to at call? one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and she didn't do it. Right. No, we know she didn't do it. It was not told in 2001 when this this whole thing popped off that Tracy was notorious with leaving the children alone. Everybody was telling a story to try to cover for Tracy Bradley because they didn't want her to lose her other two daughters, which is Rita and Victoria. They didn't want her to lose them, and nor did they want her to be arrested for neglect. Did you ever learn anything about what Tracy was actually doing the night before? Well, On the 5th of July, the evening? Yeah, she claimed she was at home and was home all night and that she got up in the morning and went to work. And then when she came back from work, she found the kids were missing. You know, I think that's something that uh, we we have to ask ourselves is, you know, with Tracy, why didn't, you know, those kids, she calls three times within 16 minutes and, and those kids don't answer the phone. And I'm repeating myself again, but I'm not a mother, but I'll be damned if I wouldn't have been in the car, on the bus, running. Who had the most to gain by these little girls disappearing? I've never been able to answer that. Who had the most to gain from them? We can't rule anybody out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I sat down with Rita and Victoria Bradley sisters to Diamond and Tianda. I asked them about their memories from the day that would forever change their lives. At that time, Rita was 12 and Victoria was nine. Despite being intimately involved in the aftermath and ensuing investigation, Rita and Victoria were not home with Tianda and Diamond the morning they disappeared. What I remember on the 5th was George, he had came, I think when he got off of work, he had came. I think he worked on the field, I don't know, but I feel like it was like three something. And I remember my mom saying, Rita and Vicky, we finna take y'all to Grandma's tiny house. We got our bags, and I remember her saying, Tiana, don't open the door. Why the separation? Camping trip, and they felt like they couldn't afford to take all four at first time, probably. Is that what they said? I mean, or is this me, me personally, thinking. me thinking. Because my your, mama, your she wasn't process. struggling, but come on, you got four kids, so, you know, it was a hard time. Well, I'm uncomfortable with it because, like I say, we never went camping before with my mom or nobody, so it was just weird to me. But then down the line, it was like, well, we're going to take two at a time. We're going to take Tiana and Diamond first, and then you and Victoria the next week or whatever Who said week, this, these words to you? My mom said it. I just remember July 6th that morning, uh, we was in the building at the Robert Taylor Homes and I sat down where the benches was at. And when I looked to the left, I saw my mom coming my way. And she was just like, Rita, have you seen Tiana and Diamond? I'm like, no. And then she was like, get up, they missing. Rita joined the search with family friends and was driven around to help look for her sisters. They drove around the south side of Chicago, looking for the girls, hoping to see them in a park or walking down the sidewalk in the purple and green clothing that they were known to be wearing. But the search ended back at their home, empty-handed. And when we went up the stairs, my mom opened the door and she just kept saying she just left a letter and she just showed me the letter. Mom, me and Diamond are going to the store, to the school. And I just looked at the letter and sat back on the couch and my mom just knocked the TV over and got the crying and got the call in the family. I was the first person besides my mom because I read the, the note and it was her handwriting because I know her handwriting. You know, we was close. One of the strange pieces of evidence that investigators and family members have analyzed over and over again is a note left behind in the apartment allegedly written by Tianda. Do you think Tianda wrote the note? Yeah. I think she wrote it. She was forced to write it, but it was her handwriting. Why do you say she was forced to write it? Because we never had to write a note when we knew her number. You know, we all, if we was always in the hospital, I said, we'll call her, be like such and such at the door. Because you know how many times if we let somebody in, we'll get in trouble. She'd be like, I told you not to open the door. And then I remember seeing April walk across the street to the bus stop to go to my mom's house. And I say probably like an hour, 30 minutes later, a police officer with my Auntie Faye came and got me. And they escorted me out of the projects area and 
I went into the police car and a police opened my door, my not the passenger, the backseat door. Okay. And she was like, she was light-skinned. I'll never forget her face if I see her now. She was like, baby, have you seen your sister them? You know what you're in this car for? I'm like, yeah. And I just remember going home and just sitting there, my mom on the couch crying. Man, she was there before me, so I got all the stuff behind it while everybody okay. was there. And just seeing my mama crying, putting towels around her forehead, just crying, devastated. Two kids been missing. I continued to keep in close contact with Rita and Victoria as my investigation developed. Two months after the girls disappeared, 9-11 happened. That took away not only media attention, but manpower within the department. I caught up with my old partner, Joe Strzok. Over the years, he has been a confidant and a close friend. I wanted to discuss some of the many obstacles the case faced from day one. When we were at the uh, Chicago Police Department together, uh, we worked as partners when we were detectives for almost about 15 years. Would you say that's accurate? About 12. You always have to minimize. I'm just saying. It was a long time. time. And so Joe and I worked together for 12 years, um, or maybe a little bit more than that. And um, we worked on a lot of cases together, uh, you know, involving domestic violence, homicides that stemmed from domestic violence, child abuse cases. So just talk a little bit about, you know, tell me a little bit about how you took on the the Bradley sisters' uh, missing situation? Well, well, I was in homicide when when that case came to be. And uh, since it was obviously such a high-profile case, they had just about everybody working on it. But everybody worked on it from watch to watch. And at the time, I was on midnights. We were trying to find witnesses, obviously, and canvas the neighborhoods and, you know, to search for these girls and talk to neighbors and people and... Uh, the usual, the usual procedure for uh, you know missing person case, and and this was such a high-profile case, like I said, so uh, gave it a lot of attention. Here we are, retired from the Chicago Police Department, actively out here trying to help this family still with with getting the answers as to what happened to Tianda and Diamond. And uh, so, one thing that I I don't want to leave out in asking you is, you know, during that same year, there was the 9-11 attack. Do you think that that had anything to do with the progress in coming up with answers as to the disappearance of the Bradley sisters? Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did affect it, although obviously it wasn't in Chicago, but it affected it. I mean, I was in New- I went to New York. Yeah, I know. So I stopped working on this case because I went to New York after 9 Tell me a little bit about when you went to New York, um, how that all happened. We went to New York out of Area 1. There was like 40 of us, 40 people that went for like maybe a little bit less than a week to help a little bit at Ground Zero and then actually to help at the, at the funerals, you know, mm-hmm. with, with even with traffic and, and stuff like that because New York was overwhelmed, by obviously, by all that. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, it had an effect on the case from my perspective because I didn't work on it because I, w- I went to New York. But I'm sure with just the way 9-11 was and, you know, no, no flights, everything was canceled, everything was shut down. 
police department was focusing on possibly more attacks, yeah. you know, more terrorist attacks. And Chicago obviously could be a target if New York is a target, Chicago or L.A. could be the next target. Correct. So that, that took, I'm sure, some manpower out of patrol for sure. And, you know, and patrol was helping, too, with searches and stuff. So I'm sure it had some effect on it. You know, I don't know to what degree, but it, it, it definitely affected it. Yeah, I think that it did, I, you know, with the heightened security everywhere in all the major cities, especially here in Chicago, you know, it, it took away a lot of a lot of manpower that was was assigned to the, the missing girls case. Um, not that everybody stopped, but it did cut down quite a bit on who was left to participate and how that whole thing was going. For sure. And then the fact that Obviously, crime didn't stop, so you still had your normal day-in and day-out murders in Chicago. And then after, when the family wouldn't even talk to us, that limited our direction of where we could go, because we no longer had the family to sit with and say, you know, maybe there's something else, maybe there's something you missed telling us, blah, 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 because they wouldn't even talk to us. So, you know, as the as case dragged on and people became less and less cooperative, you know, I'm sure more and more resources were put towards the anti-terrorism stuff, plus the, the normal murders that kept happening. Yeah. You know, that weren't getting any attention initially because everybody was working on this. Yeah. And those families deserve, you know, people to work on their cases too. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. As I continued to contact members of the Bradley family, I was impressed by Tracy's younger sister, April Jackson. She is the heart and soul of the Bradley family. And being just eight years older than Tianda, she was able to share details about Tianda and Diamond that I had never heard. I heard you at the vigil when you were speaking uh, and you, you stated that you want closure whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's time and enough time has passed by. And we're gonna talk about, you know, some of the things that you may or may not know that happened on July 6, 2001, mm -hmm. when uh, Tianda and Diamond came up missing. I've always called my nieces and nephews my children. We was a close-knit family, so that's what we did. We took care of each other, whether it was our nieces and nephews or cousins. They were with me quite a bit. Whatever I did, they did. And we okay. did gymnastics together. We did cheer dance together. We did dance together. So okay. where I, wherever I was go at, that, that's where they were at, without no doubt. Um, only time I won't see them is when I'm with my godmother or I'm working or doing some extracurriculum activities with the school. But majority of the time, 95% of the time, they were with us all the time. How old was Tianda exactly? So at the time, Tianda was 10. 10 years old. And Diamond was three, correct? And Diamond was three. Okay. And uh, so Tianda, what, what was her personality? Oh my goodness. I, I can go on and on about Tianda's personality. So was she shy? She wasn't shy. She was very outspoken. She was, oh my goodness, she was the one that knew it all. For a young age, she was very, very mature for her age. So she was the one that would talk to her sisters, getting them out of trouble, you know, doing things that a normal 10-year-old wouldn't do. Okay. She knew how to cook during that time. She was a little mini adult, to be honest. So <laughs> she took that role of having a, a big personality so that way you knew who she were. And Diamond was three, so she was pretty much a baby. She was a baby. Could she talk? 
She can talk as much as, I, I would say, at least 20 words. So it just okay. depends on who she was around. Diamond was more the shy one, to be honest. She was always the one that wanted to be with mommy. She was always the one that wanted wanted grandmother. That's those the only two people she wanted. So she was the much shyer one versus Tianda. Tell me about the note. My sister Faye was the one that saw it as well. When Faye saw that note, she instantly knew something was wrong. In her guts, she said, in my guts, Tianda didn't write this. If she did write it, she was coached to write it. And then, of course, during the time that she had the note, she pulled out another note that Tiana had wrote, Faye boyfriend at the time, and compared the two. <laughs> the grammar doesn't sound like it. It's, it doesn't match. It doesn't match. Not only that, but Tiana was very smart. She was a smart little one. Like, she knew to check in with stuff like that. If somebody was coming to the door, if she knew somebody called and, and knew, that it was somebody asking about Tracy and she knew Tracy wasn't there. She knew to say my mama was in the bathroom. Now, you reached out to the detectives in uh, 2011. Yep. Tell me about it. Well, as you get older, you can't forget what happened. This is tragic to us, not only to us, but the community. The one thing that took me by chance was, okay, I'm older now, what can I do more? Could I have done something differently as a child? Absolutely not. But going forward as an adult, I'm going to do what's right, and that's going to advocate for my missing nieces. That's what I wanted. And I wanted to know every detail so that way I can come to a common ground to make sure that my sister was there and to make sure that she welcomed you guys if you guys had any questions. That was my main goal, is to make sure that my sister was there with you guys, doing everything as much as any other body else. You are aware that Tracy eventually stopped communicating with the police. Yes. And why do you think she did that? I think she did what every other parent would. She shut down because there was so many people at on more of the negative part of it versus what really happened. Mm -hmm. And like I tell anybody, you guys don't know the backstory. Okay. So if it's not positive, my sister is going to run and she's going to hide away. And that's exactly what she did. You think she was afraid? She was not afraid. But however, she was afraid of something happening to her family. That's what she was afraid of. By whom? I can't say particular who, but I did feel that she did fear someone in the aspect where, okay, she don't care if she get hurt, but if it's part of her family or her, her family member, that's what she was afraid of. I've always had a close relationship with all of my sisters, but Tracy was that special sister. And her having a conversation to me on how she felt and why she did things she did, I understand why. Why she fell back, why she refused to ask questions, why she stopped trusting anybody in the family. Because it was like the whole family turned their back on her. She didn't have nobody. Only person she truly had was her siblings and her children. That's it. You know, everybody's a suspect mm -hmm. until you're no longer a suspect. Mm -hmm. And I and I know that that's difficult, and it, it was hard for Tracy to deal with the questions, being interviewed multiple times. Do you think that she understood that process? No. In my heart, I truly think she didn't understand the process of any of this at all. 
And when a person don't want to understand a process of something, and you're already being down by the public, being down by certain family members, and being moved against, as a person, you have the right to distance yourself and to say, I don't want to have anything to do with it until I'm ready. Let's talk about some of the things that we can definitely say that mom was ashamed of or is the fact that she had a history of leaving her children alone in the apartment. And as the story came out, eventually the family didn't want her to get in trouble. She didn't want to get in trouble with uh, DCFS and possibly having her other two children taken away from her. So that was the stem of most of the information that was, you know, not, not truthful when they were telling us the story about how the girls disappeared. The family was initially cooperative and then they seemed to become uncooperative and they stopped really being of much help to the case, which is part of the reason I think why the case was never solved back then, because we didn't get a lot of cooperation from anybody involved. This case is 20-some years old now. Statute of limitations on any kind of neglect ran out a long, long time ago. Every other crime that could be involved in this, the statute of limitations ran out for the most part. Yeah, and she would have been looking at possibly uh, endangering the health and welfare of a minor or neglect, which are both misdemeanors. One of the things that unfortunately happens when you live in an area that's, you know, not one of the most popular areas in the city or a low-income area, that there's a lot of distrust with the police um, because of maybe negative interactions that has happened, you know, here or there. But I, I, I think for the most part, if I can say this about Tracy Bradley, I don't think that Tracy Bradley had a fear of the police. I think that, you know, Tracy Bradley is a friendly woman. Um, I think she's had a lot of good connections with police officers. And um, so I, I, I just really don't think that she had a fear of the police or for the police before this happened. I think her fear kicked in when the truth was gonna have to come out at some point that she, I left my children alone. Which, uh, you know, as things are going along, you know, today, I mean, with, with this uh, situation that we're working on, I, you know, she's still reluctant to talk. She has reached out to say that she, she has no desire to speak with us any further, and she wants us to find her children. Yeah. One of the things that she, she said was that we should find the right person that took her children. What does she think we're trying to do? Well, I, my, I, I'm a little concern, confused and concerned about her using the words the right person. What, what does she mean by the right person? It could be something darker, but it could also mean just the right person, the person who did it, uh, which she may or may not know. Yeah. I think that if, if anybody could solve this or come closer to solve it, it would be you if I had to pick somebody. I mean, all the time we worked together, you know, we solved a lot of cases, and a lot of them were obviously because of your work. Please leave your message for... I'm not available this time, but leave the name and number. I'm sure will get back with you as soon as possible. 
Sorry, mailbox is full. To send an SMS. On the next episode of Disappeared, The Bradley Sisters. Why did you not call 911 right away? Scared. Tell me what you're afraid of. I was scared. I wanted to find him, you know, like on my own to see if I could find him. Do you believe he hurt your children? Yes. I believe so. Deep down in my heart. Disappeared the Bradley Sisters is produced by Entertainment One, Gary Sherman Films, and Mainstay Entertainment for Discovery ID. You can follow our show wherever you get your podcast, and we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts.